everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. It's the final post-race version of the podcast for this season, and I brought back one of my favorite guests and my favorite people, Brant James from, I don't know where you are from anymore. Uh, Centerville, Maryland originally, but now I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. All right, that's not what I meant, but uh, Brant, either way, it's good to have you here. I could just say you're from... I could really say you're 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 from the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast at this moment. I am. Uh, I'm also in the process of trademarking uh, branchames.edu underscore uh, something, and then uh, our softball teams are going to fight on Tuesday nights in our weekly game. Okay, so you're gonna <laughs> we're going to be competitors in the uh, named website space. Well, before we get into all that, uh, wow, this was quite a moment, quite a night. Uh, I'm still digesting this entire day pardon my sniffles first of all i'm you know i got the whole season i was healthy and then i finally got sick uh basically today fighting off a cold but um i'm still trying to digest everything that happened you know um i haven't seen uh let's talk about each of our post-race endeavors so um i've decided after the race that i'm going to go track dale jr barring a carl edwards joey logano-esque type moment where something crazy happens in the race. So I watched the final 10 laps on pit road. Um, very, very exciting. I was able to see on the big screen, um, the battle between Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush and Martin Truex jr. I really thought Larson was going to maybe pass them both and maybe Truex and Bush might even make contact at some point. I mean, it was really thrilling, um, that, that whole battle. And, and I thought Kyle was going to get him. I don't know how Truex held him off. Um, and then I went and, um, was down there for the Dale Jr. Um, celebration, really. They made the number 88 car into a bar, and they had lots of beers, and uh, they he ended up staying there for an hour on pit road doing media and partying and everything. I mean, 54 minutes after I, I looked at, at, at the timestamp, after Truex crossed checkered flag, Dale Jr. was finally leaving pit road. So that's where I was, and I missed a lot of the post-race coverage, trying to catch up. But so I haven't seen any replays. I haven't seen anything. Um, so that's where all my uh, thoughts will be coming from. How about you? What What was your post-race like? First of all, I just realized, should this microphone be so close to me? Because you look terrible. <laughs> well, I'm, I, you know, don't, don't put your mouth on it. I don't think the germs are going to hop off the microphone right into your mouth. That's normally what I do. But all right, I'm going to change my methods here. Okay, here's what I did. Um, I'd written a column sort of juxtaposing. First of all, I heard that that Dale Jr. all but leaped at you and threw a ninja high five at you when he got out of the car. Is that true or not true? That's not true. It's true-ish. It's true-ish because you just got red. No, okay. (laughs) This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Here's what happened, okay? So there was a a mob of media like five or six people deep. So, I mean, for 10 minutes of his first 10, 15 minutes maybe of doing media – I would, couldn't even get close. I couldn't even you. I couldn't even reach my arm far enough to to hear what he was saying. So I'm just kind of standing back there, and he's doing an interview with Marty Smith. He's doing an interview with all these people. And at some point, he kind of like looks at my direction, like I'm like maybe three deep back in the media people at this point. And he kind of like looks at me and like waves or something. And I'm like, who's he? Who's he waving to? I mean, I don't know. And then he goes, like pointing to me. He's like Jeff Gluck, and he like comes across and like reaches his hand out for a high five across all the media people. And I'm so, so I mean, I'm not gonna leave him hanging. <laughs> so I'm just like, Oh, high five. So, so confirmed. short answer. Yes. 
I don't know. It was it was it was weird, but uh, it was seemed very surreal. Mob of people. Dale Jr. We've been covering the whole week, and all of a sudden he's like coming at your face with a high five. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna skip forward a little bit, and then I'm gonna get to the question you actually asked, because I will admit I was put in a professionalism questioning moment after the race, well after the race also. Uh, I went back out on the pit road behind the stage, just kind of gathering some scene. I think I took a couple pictures because you know me, I like to do a little Instagram every now and again. And I was actually looking at my phone, walking and texting, um, which is probably dangerous. And I hear, how about that? And I look up and there's Cole Pern with, with his pirate beard. And, you know, I, I know him professionally. We, we, we got a little closer with him by proximity and knowing a little bit about him on the, on the trip to Park City. We can say this. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. For sure. For sure. So he, his arm is up in the air. He's one foot from me. And I'm like, oh. he's reaching for the high five. And I'm like, oh, it's bro code. I can't leave Cole hanging. So, <laughs> so I do what I, I just don't do it. And, and we high five. And he's like, who'd have thought? And then he just keeps going off into the distance. He was, he was actually coming in here. So I will admit that I had a similar moment, but he didn't leap at me like like Dale Jr. apparently did you. Okay. So anyway, so I was writing something juxtaposing uh, the way Dale Jr. went out and just all the fanfare and all the mobs of people around him and Kenseth and how it was much more understated and how the, that fit their personalities. And then I pulled something out of my memory bank from 03 when, when Kenseth won his championship. He came in here with... 226 point lead you know pre-chase he was gonna win um but his crew was just working unbothered it was no big deal but his stall was right next to junior and there were so many people around it that they had to bring out theater ropes and like cordon it off so those guys could even work so after the race i went out and i wanted to get a little color around uh, dale jr's car and rick hendrick was there of course and you know there's a father-son relationship with those two for sure and uh Dale Jr. is in the process of unhooking the, the, the tubes and stuff from the helmet, and he gave it to Rick. And that's just what Rick did for with Jeff Gordon a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, he wanted the helmet. So uh, Rick slinked away after a very long hug and, and got him, and, and he, was, he was pretty emotional because, I mean, this is not just an employee to him. This is a, a son figure, just like he's a father figure to Dale Jr. Rick lost a son. Dale Jr. lost a father. They fit together professionally and, and personally. And he was really looking forward to him just sort of being a, a friend beyond this decade of racing they had. And I thought that was very interesting. So after that, I looked around. I'm like, okay, where's, where's Matt? And he finished eighth, I think. So, but he one, two, three. He wasn't there. Like, what? Where? Where is he? Is he taking like this slow mo ride around the track, just soaking it all up? Apparently, there was some sort of lug nut thing. I don't, I don't know. But he was at the very, very end of the racetrack, sitting down there with his crew, drinking a, a Gatorade while you know Junior's up there slugging down beers. It, it was just it fit perfectly. It was so Matt Kenseth had a little talk, little rye wit, and like. That was perfect. So that was how, how many media people were down there at Kenseth? Because obviously I didn't get to go down there. I was on on junior stuff the entire time for an hour after the race. I, I have no idea. I haven't even seen what Kenseth said or anything like that. So what was that scene like? Um, I walked up and I was the only reporter there. And, and, and Jessica, his PR person, said, oh, he's good. Just just chat. So I sat down on the pit wall next to him. And we just sort of shot the breeze asking and answering questions. Uh, for a couple minutes, and then Nate Ryan uh, wheeled up, and uh, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb wheeled up, and it was the three of us. And 
uh, that was it. I, I don't know whether every all the other reporters were just really tired after a long weekend, and it, you know it was, it was far. It must have been like three and a half, ten miles down there. It was a pretty heroic effort by us to go. Um, but who would have thought he'd be all the way down there? It didn't make any sense, you know? Did he just literally drive out the gate and just see if he could make it to Wisconsin with the thing? I don't know, but that's where he was. Yeah, so um, I, I had learned that earlier in the year. I was looking for Dale Jr. after some race, um, maybe Richmond, I think, and. I couldn't find him, and then I realized he was all the way down. Apparently, if they if you have loose lug nuts, which Kenseth I believe had two, um, they stop you there and they don't let you continue. They like car, sort of uh, park your car there. NASCAR makes you, and so I guess that that's why he could go no further. But so um, you know, obviously, uh, I think a lot of the weekend and the memories will be about Dale Jr. and Kenseth retiring, and, and certainly we've talked a lot about that throughout the course of the weekend. But here's um, Martin Truex Jr. and I think, and this is something I've, I've, I'm still trying to digest, but I I personally am guilty of this. I don't think I gave him enough credit for being the driver he is. Um, this really I think cemented his reputation tonight as a great driver because you know he had been a journeyman, he had had limited success, and then so when a guy like that suddenly has success, you're like, oh, he's having great cars now. Oh, it's Cole Perm. Okay, yes, that's true. They've had great cars for sure. But he was the fastest Toyota all year. And then when it came down to it, the two best cars, Kyle Busch almost certainly had a faster car than Shurek tonight. And Kyle Busch was there in the closing laps, hungry for a championship. And Shurek basically took his line away, did not make one mistake. Kyle said after the race he was waiting He was waiting for to pounce as soon as Shurek did anything or slipped up. Shurek did not make a mistake. He drove flawlessly, and he's a champion. Does this change his reputation? Like, do we think of him now as a better driver? I think it will a little bit. It was interesting. Cole Pern, after the race, said he was almost resigned to the fact that he thought that Kyle Busch would get him because he'd been so much better on longer runs. And he just thought it was a matter of time. But, yes, when you look at it this year, the, the system worked because the most successful driver won. And I thought that he would win the championship coming into this weekend. Well, before that, too. I mean, that, you know, very brave choice with all the races he was winning and all the stage points and playoff points because they, they've they had the ability that this year to just stink up a weekend for everybody else. But that wasn't really the case because he wasn't loving that car uh, early in this race. So he, he gets those those final laps, and Kyle Busch is coming. And, and you know he's fast. And not only that, but Kyle Larson, who led the most laps in this race. So you've got the three guys who are the best this season, just a total culmination in the sense of those final laps. And he had to absolutely claw and dig and fight to keep Kyle Busch behind him for those last 10. I mean, of all the, all the massive amount of laps that he's led this year, you could argue, probably you won't have to argue it too much. Those last 10 certainly were his most important, but maybe his best for, because you got to look forward and you got to look back and you know, the guy who's coming to get you and you know, he's also in a Toyota and you know that those are the dominant animals of, of the year. So, um, Truex, you know, it, it, it's it's very fitting in some ways. If you, you know, as writers, we kind of look for symbolic stuff, and so Truex, being Dale Junior's best friend, at least from drivers, um, wins in Dale Junior's final race. That's very touching. And and as you said, the the top three drivers all year all year long end up running one, two, three at the end. Um, I mean, it's there's so many things where you can sort of tie it together. Another thing I, I'm wondering if you can tie together that sort of sums up the season or, or is, is reflective of the season. Kyle Busch, I think, said after the race that 
Joey Logano raced him really hard at one point and it made him wear out his tires. And he was sort of citing that as I had to work so hard to get past Logano. Logano was holding me up enough that, um, you know, that sort of cost me. And by the time I got Truex, I didn't have, I had already used up my tires. Well, I mean, Kyle Busch and Logano's teammate, Brad Keselowski have had this ongoing rivalry. Maybe Logano raced him a little harder that, or maybe he raced him because harder because, um, Kyle Busch punched him in the face earlier this year. So maybe that's part of the symbolism too, that, that Kyle Busch ends up um, getting held up a little bit by somebody that he had trouble with. And that plays, that all plays into it. Yeah. And, and to the, you know, his comments about being held up, I basically say, so what, who cares? Because it, it, it throws back to me to the, uh, to the Xfinity race where, where Sadler got very upset with Ryan Priest. Because he thought that he raced him hard when he shouldn't have. And that Pree shouldn't have done that uh, because the, the owner championship was settled because Sam Hornish was 15 seconds ahead. And to that I also say, so, even if he wasn't racing for a championship, it is his job as a professional to stay ahead of you. And if it doesn't matter why they tried to stay ahead of him, other than it's his job. If he doesn't like you and he got a little more incentive about you from that, great. It's your job to go out and beat him. I, I I don't know. I don't like getting caught up in the, I don't like the way that guy raced me. Well, I, he should do everything that he possibly can besides putting you in the wall intentionally. That's kind of super uncool. But he's supposed to make it very hard on you to the point where you stay behind him where you belong. It's true because you really never know when a restart might come out um, or a caution might come out and you have a late restart. And, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, wow, if you had had that one spot, you're starting a different line. I mean, you don't know. And I understand drivers getting upset. I also understand there was a lot of praise on Twitter afterward for how Kyle Larson, I guess, sort of didn't make it an issue, didn't force the issue. He was letting it play out between the championship contenders. I don't know, though. I, I kind of side with you a little bit more where it's a race and, you know, you have to do what you have to do. Um, and, and Truex at, at certain points was complaining about lapped cars not getting out of his way. I don't know. It's... It is tough because there's, I, I know there's a certain level of respect. I just don't know where the line is. I want to see these guys racing hard, and if you can't get past somebody, then sorry, maybe. It, it's part of it, you know. In in other sports, you're not going to have to worry about the, the the Cleveland Browns clipping you or, or blowing out your quarterbacks in the playoffs in the playoffs because they're just not going to be in the playoffs while you're trying to play the Chiefs or or whatever. You know, using the NFL as an example. Unless someone is just weaving around and just intentionally trying to to take you out, it's it's part of it. He he's another one of the speed bumps or the chicanes on the course. It's what you deal with to amass points and win a race or stay ahead of a guy. Yeah. So uh, any thoughts on um, how Harvick and Keselowski ran tonight? I thought personally Harvick really made a nice showing for himself. Really kept up the momentum he had all year or had recently toward the end of the year here. But um, just ultimately, he couldn't really run with, with the Toyotas. I mean, they've, they've been the best all year, and he just didn't have the speed. And then Kozlowski, uh, he had a much better effort than really they had shown. I mean, he was up there in the top five, and they weren't really a top five team on mile and a half this year. Um, ultimately, he didn't get that, that finish. But, I mean, he had a respectable showing. Any thoughts on either of those guys? Yeah, again, just, just like the, the top two kind of finished like it should, you know, uh, Harvick came on middle of the season. They got better and everyone sort of got scared of him because, you know, he's got the reputation, a well-deserved reputation as a closer. He was able to, to, to surpass, you know, hang with Truex in the, in the past couple weeks. 
Um, but third, yeah, that's about right when you take the body of work in general and and for the you know the, the, the rest of the Ford camp with Keselowski who were trying to catch up to the Toyotas for a lot of the year, fourth feels about right. And then Brad came in the room and <laughs> basically uh, said that the, those Toyota cars are all tricked up. No one else has a chance. Chevrolet is going to be way better with the Camaro next year if NASCAR allows them to to design like they did with uh, with, Toyo- with with the Toyota. And uh, boy, Ford's really in a lot of trouble. So yeah, it, was, it felt about right. So what you know, I I personally don't have a problem. I know obviously Keselowski generates a lot of uh, um, a criticism. Uh, people don't like it when he speaks out like that. People wish he would. Um, be a little bit kinder with his comments or, or have timed them a little bit better. Uh, personally, I think that, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's politicking. He's trying to make a very public statement. Um, so I don't really have a problem with what he said. And I think that he's probably, um, he's probably stretching the truth as far as, well, at least, I mean, it, it may be the truth as he sees it, but I don't think that, um, the Toyota nose was like so drastic. And this, the second, you know, he was talking about, oh, as soon as it rolled off the, the truck this year, we knew it was trouble. And I'm sure the Camaro is just, gonna, I don't even think that personally that these teams are getting all the speed from the, the nose. I think they're doing something in the rear ends to make them turn or whatever. So I don't think that's where it's all coming from, but you can understand why he's making a very public statement. He's trying to get more help for Ford. And they used to do that all the time. So is that, I don't know. What do you, is, are you have a problem with that? No, I think it's absolutely fine. I mean, so many things are done in, in racing by virtue of trial balloon, you know, the rumor in the garage, wow, you know, we're thinking about this. And then it, you know, it used to be, you just sort of listen to people talking and see if anyone hated it. Now you just, you, you'll watch Twitter or, or read Reddit and see if, if people absolutely love that or hate that. Hell, I mean, Rod, I'm not saying he did, but Roger Penske or someone at team Penske could have put that in his ear it wouldn't be a bad thing before we go to Thanksgiving. Let's just get this in the water a little bit and see if we can see if we can get this boiling. And uh, you know, I don't have a problem. But, but you go back to his point about the Toyota. How much of this year do we spend th- uh, thinking or writing? Man, what Toyota? They Joe Gibbs. They they can't get a hold of this Toyota. This this is real trouble. It's it's not like. You know, they, they rolled that thing off the truck at Daytona and you could hear the angels sing. And, you know, there was a thunder from the mountains uh, and no one could catch them. It took a while. Now, they they got it right, but it took a while. That's that's a great point, Brant. I mean, seriously, at, at the start of this year, it was what's wrong with Toyota. That new nose has hurt them. Joe Gibbs Racing didn't win until, what, June or something. I mean, yeah, you're right. That was all the stories like, oh, wow, they've re- this really going to take some time for them to catch up. Um, so you're right. I mean, for Kozlowski to say, oh, as soon as they, as soon as we all saw that, you know, oh, it was over and we knew we were going to get our butt kicked. Well, not really, because in the first part of the year, that wasn't the case. So that's, that's a very interesting thought. Um, you know, one person we didn't talk about, uh, that I think we should touch on real quick, at least, um, Danica Patrick ends her career, uh, her full-time career anyway, in another symbolic, uh, way. I mean, keeping exactly in keeping with her season. Uh, Dale Jr. Uh, went out. Everyone loved him and had a great party. Uh, Matt Kenseth ran better and sat down and drank a Gatorade in the in the dark. Well, not the dark. There was, it was light, but he was way out there in turn four. And Danica's rumbling a, along, and a tire blows, and everything's burning and smoking. And her race is over, and you know she she can't even leave by finishing the race. Um, whether it's in her Stuart Haas career. 
And now she's got the long off season. She tries to put together the Danica double, and she was she was pretty emotional outside of the infield care center. Obviously, she did not want that to end that way. There's a lot of pride involved here. It's I mean, it's like did we have a NASCAR race with no surprises? Like everything went to script, or or at least as it should have. Has that ever happened? Where every single trend line just pretty much continued where you would think there were no surprises here, just confirmations. It is. It is very interesting. I mean, you had uh, you had the BK racing caution at some point tonight. <laughs> you know, you had the late spin that changes the strategy. Kurt Busch um, ruined his brother's strategy, basically, and probably cost him a championship, actually. Um, I mean, just so many things. You're right that just if you would have said, all right, what's your fantasy of how this race is going to play out? You know, tell me, you know, let your imagination run wild and tell me all things are going to happen. It would have been like exactly how it, how it played out. You're right. It's it's really strange. I just had this vision of Thanksgiving at the Bush House, <laughs> where, where Kurt says, "Could you pass the potatoes?" And then Kyle goes, "No, but I could have passed a 78 if you didn't mess up my race." That probably is not gonna happen, but let's just pretend it does. Okay, okay. it happened. All right, okay. moving on. So they're not <laughs> they're not gonna pass the potatoes. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, you know, I guess let's just just talk about the the season as a whole for a minute. Um, for me, I thought that it was actually a, a much better season than the last couple. And the reason I say that is the stage points and playoff points um, really gave them something to battle for all year. You didn't have people uh, win a race and then go into R&D mode and cruise or whatever. So you had that storyline of, okay, they're adding up for the playoffs. You know, how's this going to play into it? And then once the playoffs started, you had the storyline of, okay, well, you're likely going to have um, strong drivers, strong teams in the finals because of this. Now, Larson ultimately didn't make it, but the other three were, or the, you know, all four really were, were pretty deserving. You could argue that Keselowski wasn't one of the best four all year, but, um, you know, if you had had uh, Truex, Kyle Busch, Harvick, and Larson in there, I mean, that would have been an unbelievable because Larson was back and forth with Truex so much of the season for first or second place in the standings, and they were they were the op, you know the the foils for each other. That would have been pretty representative of the season. Yeah. So, but you had really the strongest, I think, final four overall that, that we've seen, and then so it it almost made me it, it sort of gave me a feeling of peace going into this one race playoff because I've I hated the one race playoff from the start. I thought it was too random, too much stuff could happen. It's gonna generate a fluke winner. And then tonight I'm watching these guys run and I'm thinking I mean Keselowski still would have been a stretch, but I'm thinking, you know, in this final lapse, if Truex wins, I mean duh, he deserved it. If Kyle Bush wins, yeah, he's had an excellent car. He's the fastest car all night. He deserves it. And I thought, hey, if Truex and Kyle crash into themselves and uh Harvick ends up coming through and winning the championship because of that. I thought, you know, he's had some late momentum. Sometimes in sports you see a wild card team type thing make a run late. He could deserve it. So um, it gave me sort of this feeling of like, wow, this is a lot more legitimate now. And I think that helped me enjoy the season a little bit more. Does that make sense? Are you on the same page of this at all or do you disagree? No, I'm glad you're at peace. Um, it, to me, it was a, it was, it was, it was a culmination Sorry about that. It was a culmination. I mean, you wonder about all the computer simulations and, and, and such that the series does before they unveil the, the stage points and all this and how it will ultimately affect the end. But again, the, the season 
resulted the way the regular season should have, you know, um, it was very interesting. And ha I, I'm just, I remain amazed, even though I, we're still in a fairly short sample of this, that the champion is the winner. I mean, is that going to be a perpetual thing? Every time, all four years, right? All four years. And, and tonight looked like it might not because Larson was stinking it up for a while. He, he led a 100 and he led a lot, bunch of laps. Um, and it looked like, okay, maybe it'll be like the Xfinity race where the championship is happening somewhere back in the pack, but no, yeah. that's really amazing. You're right. Well, um, Brant, first of all, I mean, as before we put the finishing touches on this race, do you think that people will think it was a good race overall when they vote in my, was it a good race poll tomorrow? And what percent of the people do you think are going to say yes? I think it's going to be super high. Um, I will say that there were times when I was watching and thinking, Round and round, round and round. This isn't. And it got a little more compelling when uh, when Bush tried the, the the pit strategy, tried to finish on one, and then the the caution spiced it up. I think people are going to love it. I think people are going to be generally um, in love with with all the feel good stories. Well, some of them are feel good. They're just the emotional stories involved with the seventy eight team, and I, I think people seem to generally like his story. And and that finish, uh, if it had just been a parade to the end, people might not have been on board too much. But it, it was exciting because Kyle Busch was coming. And, you know, let's be honest, a lot of people don't like Kyle Busch as much as people do like Kyle Busch. And you can almost hear the piano music like in the old timey Western when he was coming for him there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people at home are probably like even the people that say they don't like uh, Toyotas and so they can't root for Truex. I think they probably saw Kyle Busch coming and they're like oh no oh no no hold them off and then when Truex when they're like yes and so people will you have that positive feeling about it um and I think they'll have a happy memory that Dale Jr. finished the race walked away with his health you know there's a lot of of feel good type things so I will say ooh, I'll say 82 percent will say it was a good race what do you think oh, I didn't give you a number I see I was going to say 78 because obviously the car, and that's how many laps Martin Truex Jr. led. Weird. Coincidence? Yes. Symbolism? No. Uh, it's neither. It's total. It's just a, it is a coincidence. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, I think it's going to be like 89.6%. Oh, wow. Well, we don't do 0.6s, but uh, I'll, I'll give you the 89. That's a very uh, high prediction, but it's possible. I'll do 90 then. I like to round up. Okay. 90 for you. Um Brant, uh, you know, all season long, speaking of your uh, brantjames.edu site or whatever you're going you're gonna to make now, um, samtech.edu has been sponsoring my podcast. And I just want to say a quick thank you to them. Um, in January, I got an email from them saying, hey, if you're going to be doing some podcasts, we'd love to get on board. And um, Brian Massengo from Samtech was really nice to um, come on board and um, be the post-race podcast sponsor all year long. So thank you, Sam Tech, and I really appreciate that. Um, and now, Brant, uh, you know, are, are people are going to need to sponsor what you're doing. Are you going to – well, first of all, okay, let's let's back up for a minute. We've been sort of dancing on the subject here. Um, Brant, uh, what, about a month ago, uh, we became – uh, members of a club which is former USA Today employees. We became alumni uh, emeritus uh, of that. Yes, I was uh, let go uh, after the Dover race, so I'm uh, I'm out here, you know, just working a little freelance now. Don't know what the future holds. You're a free agent like Kurt Busch. I am. Uh, I, I'm going to hold out. I'm hoping Monster comes and sponsors me. <laughs> 
You just, boy, you and Kurt are just waiting for that monster money. I will take any monster money. I don't want to have to go back to the truck series, but you know, it's it is a, a breeding ground of talent. So if I have to, I have to. So we'll see how it goes. So what's you know what's your off season look like? I mean, um, you were here writing for the NASCAR Wire Service. I think I've seen some of your stuff on the Athletic. That popular new subscription site that everybody's hopping on board with so like do you have any plans are you just are you trying to stay in motorsports what do you think the future holds for branch james i really don't know um i would like to stay in i mean it's sort of what i do i feel like i sort of know the lay of the land i i would enjoy it but i'm not sure i mean as we know not to get too wonky in the journalism world the media landscape is is crap. Uh, there's not too many JeffGlock.coms with massive corporations such as yourself that are that are hiring right now. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'm, I may find some freelance work. That'd be great. Uh, that's what the winter's going to be. Or um, it could be thank you, please drive through. Okay. Well, I hope that that's not the case because, um, yes, I'm sure you do. You're very cranky at that window. And I, I would liable to touch your fries. Have you thought about... Um, Starbucks barista. That's what I was thinking about doing uh, if this failed. I don't drink coffee, so I don't think that I would be competent in making something that someone might like. Okay. Uber driver? You know, you can do that very easy. And on one uh, dark, sad day, I actually sort of scrolled through the little menu on that. And each week I get this email from Uber that says, I didn't even set up my profile to get my car inspected or anything like you're supposed to do. Each week I get an email from Uber saying, Congratulations, Brant James. You made zero point zero zero dollars this week. Well, if <laughs> if you well, do, congratulate me on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Uber. Maybe you should try Lyft because they they're more friendly. Oh, okay. I'll get the app. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so if you're in the Tampa area, uh, either give Brant James a writing assignment or use your Lyft or Uber app to dial him up and you can have a your own personal podcast conversation with him in the car. We could record one unless they think it's creepy and then I'll just sort of look at him in the mirror real quick like you know I like to do. Yeah, you, you know what you should do is you could have a recorder running. Somebody gets in the car and you go like, hey, uh, just so you know, there's microphones and I, I'm a, a, a podcaster while driving and so well, let's have some NASCAR talk and if they know anything about NASCAR, you can like record this like ongoing conversation as you you're like killing two birds with one stone. I like it. I think what I might do to sort of put everyone at ease as soon as they get in the car is like hit the auto lock button. <laughs> <laughs> that always makes me feel safe. That one time I did it when you were in the car, you, you thought it was fine after you stopped screaming. <laughs> All right, Brant, we need a, a hashtag so people can talk to us about this podcast. And I feel like, um, there's a couple of nominees. We could do something about the symbolism, but I really liked your line about the potatoes at the um, Bush Brother house. So I feel like maybe pass the potatoes would be a good hashtag. What do you think? I think that's awesome. Uh, brainstorming, brain workshopping. If I were to do another one, I would do hashtag feel the pern. Feel the pern. Yeah. Okay. See that? See what I did there? Made that work. Made that work. Wow. I, you know, I've, I've seen uh, NASCAR chasm use pern star. And things like that, but I don't think I've heard of Feel the Pern. So this could be a uh, hashtag that could be unique to us, and we could go for it. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, let's trademark that, and we're also going to trade Danica Double, which, by the way, was still available yesterday afternoon. We can get that for $69, and then we're going to sit on it, and we're going to get rich. <laughs> you don't need to drive Uber. That's your, that's your off-season plan, dude. 
I will do absolutely anything that I don't have to lock people in my car and drive Uber. Okay. All right. So uh, tweet at Brand James and tweet me at Jeff underscore Gluck and tweet us with the hashtag feel the pern uh, to talk about this podcast and let Brant know um, where he can pick you up uh, in this off season. Brant, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I think you've been on this maybe, I don't know, three or four times now. I mean, in addition to all our start your engines podcast that we did with USA today Say that now with no repercussions, start your engines, start your engines, start your engines. We should just rename this one. Start your engines. But maybe, maybe USA today would get mad. I don't know. Do we care about making USA today, Matt? Hashtag no. Uh, anyway thank you all for listening after all these all year i hope you enjoyed them there's plenty more podcasts to come in the off season i'm going to try to do some stuff maybe i can even convince brant james to do some skype podcasting with me although i probably have to start paying him for these because i'm uh I'm pretty much run the course on free labor here but uh anyway everybody have a, a great off season have a great thanksgiving if i don't talk to you but again keep checking your feed because i will have more podcasts So talk to everybody next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. See you, everybody.